Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles Podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, long time no see. I have not actually been gone. I've just been really busy with kids and work, and there hasn't been a lot of free time to podcast. And my son uses the computer pretty much every waking moment because he is a gamer. And that's how he socializes with his friends. They all get in the same world on Minecraft and talk on their phones and play at the same time. Kids are at school. Husband is hauling cattle to Sioux Falls, and I've got the house to myself. So peace and quiet plus a computer. So I'm going to try to get some podcasts out, and we're going to call this the start of a new season. I really didn't set up this podcast to have seasons. I was initially hoping to do two episodes a month and that just really fell apart once school started. Today we are going to talk about neutering. Now I'm not going to get into the why we should neuter and why we shouldn't neuter and if we should neuter at six months of age or one year or older. Those are all really interesting and important topics. What I want to talk today about is what to expect like the day of. So this is kind of specifically for Marshall Animal Clinic clients, but I really have a hard time believing that your clinic is any different. Since this podcast may be listened to in the future, I'm not going to go over like the curbside stuff. We're just going to talk about the actual neutering. First off, (laughs) this is a surgery, so expect when you call to make your appointment not to be able to get in within a day or two. Sometimes we book out a couple weeks in advance on surgeries, and I think other clinics do. So you need to plan ahead. Now at the Marshall Animal Clinic, we have four doctors that do surgery, and we do surgeries each doctor a different day, four days a week. So if you're interested in having a particular doctor, keep that in mind. With that said, neutering is a very simple procedure. It is not complicated. I think any veterinarian is probably qualified to neuter a dog. This is a super important last minute post-production edit and add-in, and that is the whole you need to take away your dog's food the night before. The reason is we want them to have an empty stomach undergoing anesthesia. Sometimes these medicines can make them nauseous and we don't want them to puke when they're sedated and risk aspirating and we definitely don't want them regurgitating or vomiting after surgery when um, they're recovering and they're kind of half asleep, half awake because we risk aspiration pneumonia. So they can have water all night. They can have water in the morning, but they cannot have breakfast. If you have a dog that's on a medication like zanisamide for seizures, and you normally give that in a little piece of cheese, I'm cool with that. But they cannot have a bunch of treats. They cannot have a quarter of their food. They cannot have half their food. They can have a bedtime stack up until midnight, but then you have to take the food away. We have you drop off your pets first thing in the morning and plan on keeping them the entire day. Now, their surgery may not be first thing in the morning. It may be mid-morning to late morning, but we like them there for a couple reasons. One of them is we want to observe them. When they're in their cage in our um, surgical prep area, we watch them. We watch how they're breathing. We obviously do a little physical exam on them. But we watch their attitude, we watch their behavior. It actually tells us a lot about how they're going to handle surgery, how they're going to wake up, and how they're going to do post-op. 
when we've got these quiet little chill dogs that just sit in their cage and they, they don't make a lot of ruckus, they're not necessarily fearful, we know that they're not going to be huge incision lickers. We don't worry about the owner having to keep them super quiet. But when we get these crazy dogs that are super hyper, really high strung, it lets us know that we're going to have to take a few more precautions over the next couple of days post-op. So observing is important. Most dogs, we do pre-op blood work. We don't necessarily require it, but it's part of the package. When people are really on a tight budget, we can discuss with you options for opting out of that. So why would we need pre-op blood work on a young, healthy dog? We find things. We, when we put that animal under anesthesia and we're using certain drugs that have to be cleared by the kidney and the liver, we want to know that everything is working well. So we do a basic chemistry and a basic CBC. The CBC checks blood parameters, tells us that they have enough blood. (laughs) Now, we do see a fair amount of just very low-grade, low blood count in these young, rapidly growing, large-breed dogs, and even some of the smaller-breed dogs. Heck, some lab puppies are going to gain 10 pounds in a month. And so their hematocrit, or their pack cell volume, so how much blood is cells in their blood, that can be a little low. We don't get excited about it, but it's still something nice to know to go into surgery. We can also see signs of infection, especially on some of these cats that um, come out of a farm or a bad situation. They can have some blood disorders that are contagious. They can also have, you know, signs of infection. But I'm not talking about cats today. I'm talking about dogs. Pre-op blood work. Now, this is a simple blood draw, and most dogs handle it really well. It takes two people. We have trained technicians that usually do our blood draws and get our blood jobs starting. But us doctors are in there pitching in and helping also. If we have a dog that is especially scared or especially hyper, sometimes we will pre-med them with a light sedative, an injectable sedative that goes in the muscle. We use a number of different combinations of drugs, but for routine surgeries and healthy dogs, we use a combination of a drug called Dextomator and butorphanol. One of them is an alpha-2 agonist, which probably means absolutely nothing to you. And if you asked me to explain it to you, I probably couldn't real well. And the other one is a barbiturate. Just know that they make (laughs) the dog pretty sleepy and pretty relaxed. We give it in the muscle usually, and it takes about 10 minutes. Now, if that were to be all that we would do, that would actually last a couple hours. So usually about 15 minutes after they have been pre-medded and they're pretty sleepy, we go ahead and take them to surgery. So we take them out of their cage, we move them into the actual surgery suite, and that's where we actually induce anesthesia. We use gas anesthesia, and so that requires putting a tube into their trachea. Now these dogs aren't sleepy enough for us to do that, so we give them propofol, Propofol, I'm sure you've heard in the news in light of COVID because that's one that they often induce coma in. And that's what Michael Jackson died of an overdose of that. Propofol is given in the vein slowly. And that actually induces anesthesia. That drug is only in their system for 10 to 15 minutes, though, at the, at the dose and the rate we use. We open up their mouth and we put a tube directly into their trachea. Now, we have all sorts of different sizes tubes for different sized dogs. And then we hook that up to oxygen and isoflurane. That we can adjust how much gas is coming through depending on how deep we need these dogs to be, how deep in anesthesia. Neuter is actually a very superficial 
surgery. We're not tugging on any internal organs, so we tend to keep them very light. The other thing that we do is we use local lidocaines, short-acting and long-acting. We use it in the incision site and we use it in the scrotum. And that allows us to be even lighter with our anesthesia. So once we have the dog intubated and the dog is very sleepy, we roll them onto their back. We secure their paws with ties and those ties tie them to the table. And that's not so they can't move during surgery. It's because some of these dogs like flop to the side, especially when you think of like the body shape of a German short hair pointer. You know, they don't just lay on their back perfectly balanced. So the ties balance them so they're not moving in surgery. It's not a restraint. We put a little lubrication in their eyes because they don't shut their eyes when they're sleeping. And we don't want their eyes to get dry. So we use some artificial tears to protect their eyes. At this point, we start hooking up the surgical monitors, the anesthetic monitors. So we put on an EKG, which tells us their heart rate and their heart rhythm. We put a pulse ox on their tongue, which lets us know their oxygen concentration. We monitor respiration rate visually, basically. We watch the bag move. We watch the chest move. We don't have a a machine that counts that for us. We put in a thermometer into their esophagus just to make sure their temperature is appropriate. There can be surgical complications where temperatures get too high. And then, of course, for longer procedures, we can have body temperature get too low. And then, of course, blood pressure. We put a little cute little tiny blood pressure cuff around their leg to monitor their blood pressure. Hooking up those monitors probably takes two or three minutes. And while one veterinary technician is doing that, the doctor or the other veterinary technician is clipping the surgical site and scrubbing it. So for neuters, um, we actually do an incision at the base of the penis. It's called pre-scrotal. So we do it just in front of the penis. The reason we don't cut into the actual scrotum, and in fact, we avoid any clipping of the pro of the scrotum or any excessive manipulation because it's a really sensitive area. <laughs> and if you get clipper burn on a scrotum, it is a guarantee that that dog is going to lick. And we don't want that. So we're real gentle with the scrotum. Um, A lot of people don't understand why we don't cut that off, especially in a mature dog. And there are certain circumstances where we do. And there are some people that don't like a little dangly ball sack afterwards. But usually it shrinks up. And honestly, it's cosmetic. It's not hurting the dog. If we were to actually cut the scrotum off, we would have an incision that was much larger and much greater risk of complication. I think it's pretty standard in the United States to do pre-scrotal incisions. We do a surgical scrub with a disinfectant, you know, just to make sure the area is very clean. And the, the disinfectant that we use, chlorhexidine, works on contact time. So it's not how hard you scrub, it's how long that disinfectant is in contact with the skin. The next thing we do is the actual surgery. So the doctor goes out, they scrub their hands really good, clean really good. Um, Some of us use like a disinfectant lotion. And then we put on sterile gloves. This is a sterile procedure. Even though farm animals are neutered out in mud and barns, we like to keep dogs and cats super clean. So we scrub up really good and we use a sterile surgical pack. So everything is completely sterile. We have all the instruments we need. We open that up, we put a drape over the dog, like one of those blue drapes, I'm sure if you've watched like ER or something, and then we have just a tiny little hole over our lidocaine incision. Now at Marshall Animal Clinic, most of us 
um, use the laser for cutting, and that is included in the price. We're just a, a laser type clinic. You can cut with a surgical blade like steel, or you can cut with the laser. And the laser we found just has a lot of advantages to less bleeding, less incision swelling, and less pain. And I'm not going to go into to the whys and hows. It's just how we do it. Most dogs, um, we just need to make an incision about the size of their testicles. So depending on how old they are, um, that incision is usually an inch, give or take. And then we push the testicle out of the scrotum up into that incision and pop it out. We tie off the blood vessels with a special type of suture that is dissolvable. And we usually do it twice. We're like, do it once and then do it a second time just to make damn sure everything is closed off. There are some big blood vessels going to the testicles, so we just don't want any chance of bleeding. So we do that to each side, and we tuck the little stumps back in, and we close the skin, only we don't close it from the outside, we close it from the inside. That's a suture pattern called subcuticulars, and we use a dissolving suture, so no stitches have to come out. Now, there's advantage and disadvantages to that. I feel like dogs are much less likely to lick if we put an external suture there, which we absolutely could, it's a, they're going to heal the same either way. It's just like something for them to think about. So we don't do that. We don't do that. We just do subcuticulars. And then often we use a little tissue glue also, which is basically a glorified super glue. It's very, very fast drying, very cool stuff. So at this point, we turn them off of anesthesia. It takes them about 10 minutes to wake up because they have to blow that gas off. Um, they still have that initial pre-med in their system, which offers a little bit of sedation post-op. It also offers just a smoother recovery. <laughs> I should have mentioned pain medication. We actually give your dog a dose of pain medication, like a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, prior to them being anesthetized. So by the time they wake up from surgery, that anti-inflammatory, anti-pain medicine is in their system. The other thing you got to remember is we are using lidocaine and a long-lasting lidocaine called bupivacaine that is in their system for like six hours. And that slowly wears off. So they, they don't wake up in pain, but they can wake up a little disoriented. doesn't happen very often with neuters. They're, they're usually very quiet. Some of the more longer procedures, we can get disorientation when they wake up. At this point, we've unhooked the monitors. They're waking up. Once they are awake enough to swallow a couple times, we pull the tube. And like I said, that's usually about 10 minutes after we pull them off of the gas anesthesia. At this point, we have them back in their cage. If they're a little dog or they got chilled during surgery, which usually doesn't happen in a neuter, um, you know, we put them on an artificial heating source and then we cover them in blankets. And then all this is back in our surgery area. So we get to observe them over a couple of hours when they wake up. Usually neuters <laughs> within a couple of hours, it's like nothing, nothing happened. They usually walk out of the clinic the same way they walked in. We'll take them out for a potty break after lunch. And then we have owners pick up their pets that have been neutered, usually between three and five o'clock. Sometimes we allow them to go home sooner. If it's a really nervous dog or a high energy dog or the owners come from a distance and they're waiting in town for the drive home. But the, the reason we want to keep them all day is we just want to observe them. 
we want to make sure that they are not puking after surgery from the drugs, that they're not licking at their incision. We can usually tell when we're watching them whether or not they're going to need a cone by the way they're licking or not licking in their cage. Sometimes we use a little spray on the incision. I don't like to use like Neosporin that just makes dust and dirt stick to it. But we use a spray bandage called Silverdyne. No, it's not called Silverdyne. I don't know. I'll use spray. I'll use spray. Sorry, I just said that really loud. And that does, it is kind of like a liquid band-aid, but the other thing it does, it's silver. And of course, I like anything shiny. <laughs> and if the dogs lick, that silver disappears. So it's one of the ways for us and for owners to monitor how much their dog is licking. So does every neuter get a... Uh, e-collar or cone of shame sent home? No, they don't, but most of them do. And we usually say, hey, you know your dog. If they're a licky dog, if they're an obsessive dog, take a cone. They're not expensive. I think they're eight bucks. Better safe than sorry. The thing is, it takes a lot of discipline to use the cone. My first rule of thumb for these neuters going home is I tell people, when you're home with the dog, you're supervising them in the evenings, you're watching TV, making supper, and you can watch them and they start to lick, you tell them no. And if they listen to you and leave well enough alone, that's fine. You can have the cone off when you're with them. However, if they don't listen to you <laughs> and if they're being left alone for a long time and have time to lick, they need to have the cone on. So ultimately, you have to use your best judgment there. When in doubt, wear the cone. They can eat and drink with a cone on. Um, we've got many dogs that have done it. Some dogs are very dangerous with a cone. They can like take out your shins. They can damage furniture. They can chip drywall off of your walls when they ram. It is amazing. They can learn to use their cone as a weapon. Now, I, I still think you really need to use it though. So worst case scenario, a dog doesn't wear his cone. He opens his incision. He licks it and those stitches come out. Guess what? It's not the end of the world. Since this is just over the base of his scrotum and the incision is only about an inch long, there's no guts to fall out. It is just a skin incision. There's not a bunch of deeper tissue that you need to worry about. Can it get infected? Yeah, just like a skin knee can get infected. Do we usually do antibiotics if they open their incision? Yeah, we do. If it's red and inflamed and there's any amount of discharge, I tell you what though, that is so rare. We do several surgeries every day and we get one of those infected incisions just a few times a year. So it, it's not a big problem. And if a dog does open up their neuter site, we don't even have to necessarily resuture it. It will heal by what we call second intention. And that is just healing from the inside out, just as if it were a wound that they got from barbed wire or something else. What to expect when you get the dog home, kind of take home care instructions is the night of surgery, they may be a little groggy from the anesthetic drugs. They can be a little nauseous from the anesthetic drugs. So we usually say offer them a little meal, like a quarter to a half of their normal food. If they eat that and they hold it down and they seem hungry, an hour later you can give them the rest of their meal. If they're content with that or they don't want to eat, that's fine. No big deal. Go ahead and offer regular food the next day. As far as water, they can have access to that all the time. As far as exercise for neuters, we do recommend a couple days of leash walk only. Now, again, I said that there's no major guts to fall out if their incision were to be a problem. So you don't have to be quite as strict with a neuter as you would like a major abdominal surgery. But leash walking is never a bad idea. 
And if, if you're living out in the country, which we're in an agricultural area and a lot of dogs do, it's best to confine them. Don't don't just let them run the farm the next day. Keep them kenneled or locked in the garage or, or something for a couple days if they're an outside dog. Check the incision every day. You know, flip your dog over, rub its belly, and take a look. If you see redness, if you see inflammation, if you see dog licking, if it smells funny, if it's an off color, please let us know right away. In this wonderful day and age of technology, you can take a picture with your phone and just text us the picture. You can email it. When in doubt, ask. Neuters are pretty straightforward. I think I gave you everything and more than what you needed to know about the neuter. And god dang it, it still made 20 minutes. I thought, I can talk about a neuter in 10 minutes. Nice, short, easy podcast. But, you know, I love to ramble. So, until next time, you can find us at the Marshall Animal Clinic, marshallanimalclinic.com, or by phone, 537-1537. Thank you.